You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. You know, my mic sound nice. You know, my mic sound nice. Wait, is that is that how the song goes? Is it mic sound nice or mic sound right? Yo, Herb, take it from the top. One, two. My mic sound nice. Check one. My mic sound nice. Check two. Whatever. I got a new microphone. (laughs) Thank you, patrons. Thank you to my patrons. I was able to get a new microphone. I needed one so that I could do more remote recordings. And now I got one. Thank you very much. So um, this episode, I want to talk a little bit about the vision for self-directed education communities. And I also want to invite you to a space for this conversation to continue. Of course, we talk online. You know, you can always at me at Radical Selfie on Twitter, on Twitter, or um, at Fear of the Free Child on Instagram or on any of those mediums using the hashtag for the podcast, which is POC in SDE, People of Color in Self-Directed Education, right? So we have some dialogue going on, but an interesting question came up last week that prompted me to do this episode, which is episode 55, and any notes related to this particular episode will be on the show notes page, akilasrichards.com forward slash five five. So here's the thing, because as people of color, our needs are dynamic and varied, right? Our needs range from similar to non-people of color all the way over to nothing at all, like the needs of other groups. So I was tagged last week in a Facebook post about public forums on unschooling that are non-judgmental and devoid of that I'm better than you because I get it and you don't attitude that so many of us, myself included, were hit with when we first started our journey into unschooling or self-directed education. So Carol Black tagged me on that Facebook status. Actually, Carol is the person who asked that question as a status update on Facebook, and then some folks tagged me as a resource. Speaking of resources, Carol Black wrote what is one of my favorite motherfucking essays like ever in life (laughs) called A Thousand Rivers. Um, A Thousand Rivers, What the Modern World Has Forgotten About Children and Learning. And you can read that on her site, which is carolblack.org. You need to read it. You need to read it. You need to read it. All right. Anyway, in one of those um, places where folks were tagging me on Carol's post, Carol asked me if I knew of a good open forum for parents of color wanting to learn more about unschooling. She is a supporter of the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, by the way, which as you may know, I am a part of that, pushing our unapologetic agenda of normalizing self-directed education and making it accessible for anybody who wants it. Carol is in support of that. She supports the Alliance. And she asked whether there was a forum on the Alliance's website, which is self-directed.org, specifically for that. So um, she said maybe it could be like a permanent part of the forum section. And if you haven't been to the forum section, I don't know why, because there's so much goodness there. So at first I said that I would start one such forum inside of the Alliance's member forum section. So when I logged onto the forums, though, I said, let me do some research first. Let me just do a search for POC, as in people of color, to see whether someone had maybe already started a thread that I wasn't aware of. 
And I know that when I did my Ask Me Anything session with the Alliance, that mad people were asking me questions specifically related to people of color. So I wanted to see what else had happened since I haven't really been as deeply involved in the forums as I was when I was doing that Ask Me Anything. So as a result of doing that, though, I now actually have a different idea than starting one forum thread specifically for parents of color. So my idea is that I'm instead going to recommend that folks do a search in the forum for the term POC so that you can see and participate in the varying conversations about our needs inside self-directed education. So that's why I started this with mentioning the ways that we are dynamic and varied and how our needs can sometimes be tucked into other groups or other questions, you know, things that are not necessarily exclusive to people of color, and then other times they are. So I feel like if we are mining, in a sense, those forums, instead of sticking to one particular thread, then that's a better opportunity to get a broader spectrum of the things that we may need as people who have all these different needs inside the space. I hope that makes sense. You know, as I said, message me if you want clarification, but that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do. So what I recommend is, first of all, if you're not a member of the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, why? What's going on? <laughs> Once you fix that, go into the forum section, which you get to from going to the top of the Alliance's homepage, which again is self-directed.org. Then on the menu, which is on the top of the page, going right across the top, click on more, which is over to the right. And then you click on member forums and you'll see the forum menu on the right side of that page. And I think it's the fifth link down is search forums. So when you click that, you just type in POC as in people of color in the search box and just read the results that come up. So I think that's a great space for you to both observe and engage in conversations in a broad range, but still specifically connected to Black families, Brown families, Indigenous families navigating their self-directed education journey. And if you post inside the forum, be sure to use the term POC in your comments so that your comment would also pop up in the search. Okay, can we get this going, y'all, so that all the questions we have about how to do this and where to get support and what's working. Same thing we get together to do on this podcast every week, we can do over on the Alliance forums too, with even more opportunities to connect daily, sometimes multiple times a day. You know how chat rooms forums are. And it's also a very easy segue into forming local SDE groups, something which we support folks in setting up and getting running through the Alliance. So yeah, there's community happening there. Let's make sure that it's working for exactly what we need too. Yes? Yes. <laughs> One of the questions somebody asked me in the forums, maybe about, I don't know, four or five months ago, was what I imagined a future with self-directed education as the norm to look like. You know, like what do I imagine are our communities looking like if things work out the way that I hope they do? And I've been asked that question before, and I often say that, I don't know, I really don't know what it looks like. And really, that's a part of why I'm so excited about it, because we create it together, and it's going to look different for each community based on the needs of those specific families and individuals who live in that community at that time. So 
for me, I'm not afraid to not know how something will turn out. I feel like I've successfully de-schooled from that particular schoolishness. So I don't tend to think about my particular vision for self-directed education, particularly in our communities as black and brown folks, indigenous folks. I don't tend to view it like, you know, what it might look like across the board. I feel like because, again, we are so varied, even within those specific identities of Black, Brown, and Indigenous, it's just going to look like a lot of different things. However, having been in so many more conversations with our people in our various unschooling and other forms of self-directed education spaces since being asked that question about four or five months ago, I can see some things that I guess kind of add to my excitement about how people of color are now and will continue in increasing numbers to tap into self-directed education as an integral part of a liberation walk. So I wanted to share those two things with you related to that vision, you know, of what it might look like in the future. So it's two things, funding and community. And when I say funding, I'm actually specifically talking about grant writers. And I don't mean people who uh, can write well and have the patience to go through the grant application. I mean like super nerd grant writer life tattoos on their bellies and whatnot type deal. People who breathe this shit. We need those folks. I was just talking to Chris about it today. We dropped the girls off at um, Heartwood and... One of the parents was telling us about C4 Atlanta, which is sort of like the small business administration specifically for artists, you know, just ways to add the business component to art. And I was talking about how we need teaching spaces where folks can really start to understand how to get to the money that is available to do special projects in their communities. I feel like that's just been happening a lot today. It's only two o'clock in the afternoon as I'm recording this, but I've gotten several of those messages today. I was talking to my homegirl, Trelawney, who's been on the podcast before. Her son is an unschooler and um, she's doing this project called We Speak for We. And she's going around Savannah and talking to a lot of our elders about aspects of life and just storytelling from their perspectives. And she's also a teaching artist and just doing a lot of work around reclaiming and in some cases just discovering and amplifying our narratives as people of color. And I know that Trelawney does a lot of this stuff out of pocket, just like I do. And she also compensates a lot of the folks that she interviews. And so she's driving across town in her car. She's a wife and mother of two an entrepreneur, as well as an educator. She does all this stuff. And I've applied for fellowships for the work that I'm doing with Fear of the Free Child. I have never gotten approved for one yet, and I'm going to keep on going. But yo, if I had like a grant writer nerd who was just like, yo, I'm about this life. These are the seven grants that happen every year that I'm aware of that you qualify for or fellowships or whatever. This is what you need to be doing in preparation. These are the deadlines. It would be a totally different game, right? Like completely. And I know so many of us who understand that we need to create our own. We're real clear. So if we had folks who were really knowledgeable about these things, like they breathe this, so many of us who are so completely disconnected from the system and want to start our own thing, 
just do not have the knowledge and the financial resources to get it off the ground. We don't have $5,000 saved. Many communities are just struggling with a lot of things that putting it together financially can be really difficult. But if we are aware of the projects, we can oftentimes get together and dedicate our time to putting together these detailed applications and applying for funding that can really help us to support our communities and each other. So one of the things then, when you talk about a vision, if I had this vision of what it might look like, we would have a beautiful tribe or network of grant writer nerd types. (laughs) We can help them by compensating them because it's going to cost us a lot less than it would to create the school or the center or whatever in exchange, then their brilliance is utilized to help us create what we need. So that's the first thing that I see. And if you are one of these grant writer nerd types or an aspiring grant writer nerd type, holla at me, okay? At Fear of the Free Child on Instagram, at Radical Selfie, Panda Twitter on Twitter, <laughs> or voice message right directly on AkilaSRichards.com. So that's the first one. The second thing that I mentioned is community. And when I say community, I'm talking about building locally and expanding globally. Cross-connections in different cities and countries, but also just right here in local communities and households. So exchanges between families. For example, if I'm friends with Zakia, who is in Johannesburg, South Africa, leader in the unschooling movement there, we could send Marley and Sage over to Joburg for a month, and then they might send Michaela over to Atlanta for a month, or even if it was just a week or whatever, right? We could do these sort of things, and it would be a normal part of the self-directed education world. Also, family trips, locally and internationally. So locally is obvious, right? The people who you go to the park with every Tuesday and Friday with your kids or the folks that you're in Kid Cultivators Homeschooling Collective with, or whichever one you want to name, you can get together and plan family trips. Or let's say I live in Tucson, Arizona, and I have a sister friend in Nairobi. We connected on Facebook years ago. We've been following each other's blogs and whatever. Neither of us have ever been to Hawaii. So over the course of a year, we plan this family trip together and my family and her family, we get together and we spend that time in that space, learning, exploring, enjoying, right? So those sort of things. Then of course, in schools and centers and other formally or somewhat formally structured spaces, you can do student exchange programs or virtual collaborations that culminate in an in-person event, these sort of things. And also local connections, like connecting with local businesses so that they know the families with children in their communities who may eventually want to apprentice with them or co-create something based on the skills and the interests that that business owner and that student may have. It's just open. But the fact is that they would have met the parents before or they would have met a facilitator or a guide at the SDE community space that that child attends. And of course, they would have met the learner and the learner would have met them. There are so many possibilities for guidance and mentorship and collaboration that won't just rely on one person that happens to be assigned to your child for a year the way that it happens in school. We really got to think outside of that. And that's what comes up for me when I think about 
community in terms of building locally and also expanding globally. I got to say that I'm particularly enthusiastic about apprenticeship programs. You know, when I think about what that might look like, it would be accessible for everybody, sort of like Praxis. I don't know if y'all have seen that the website is discoverpraxis.com. The program is like $11,000. You get a paid apprenticeship. And I think it's like 90% or something like that of the folks who go through this one-year program end up getting job offers from the places where they do the apprenticeship. So the first half of it is like a boot camp sort of deal where they learn about branding and all these different aspects of building out a business. And then the other half is apprenticing at a business, not interning because they get paid. That's pretty much all I know about it. And I am going to reach out to the folks over there because I'm super, super interested about not just their program. That's great that they have it. And I think it's going to be wonderful for a lot of people. But I also love that model. And I think we could implement that in different spaces to the benefit of numerous, numerous families. I also think that in the case where, for example, with Praxis, it's like 11 grand, these things could be funded by the government. That's where public funding can go. If we're forced still to pay taxes like we are now, then they should go towards things like that. And that way, more of us can start to see that there really is no need for a conventional classroom structure because even the most structure-oriented learner could work with adults to create whatever daily, weekly, or even hourly setup they got together and decided was the best way to structure a continuous course of study. You could do that without sitting in a classroom. We keep thinking about ways to make a classroom environment better. And what I want to encourage us to do is to stop even comparing it to school altogether. Yes, I know that particularly for people of color, it is something, 84, 85, whatever the stats are now, percent of our children are in public school. Recognize that sometimes the problem is school. So what can we do to rely less and less and less on that over time? It's the whole premise of building, 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 instead of spending all of the time focusing on dismantling. And by building, you remove the, the need to rely on that institution. That's what I'm thinking about, those apprenticeship-type programs, the community-based work. And in these instances, like apprenticeships, testing, for example, when we talk about structured learning, could be part of it, right? Because some professions will require a knowledge and a level of proficiency in certain subject matters. No problem. That learner would have been in that space before, having explored things that related to that topic while they were in their intentional learning community, whether that's home-based or at a center or whatever. They might have apprenticed with an engineering firm, for example, and know good and well what it takes for them to get that engineering degree or a certification that they might need to have. So they would have been exposed to these things. And this is not all conjecture, by the way, like these are things that are already happening in a lot of self-directed families where their children transition into structured learning because they're really clear on what they want to do and because they've had the opportunity to connect with folks who do the thing that they're into. And here's the other piece. If my voice sounds a little different, y'all, I recorded this a different day because I really wanted to sit with this idea of the vision for self-directed communities in the future. And I already knew about that community aspect that was showing up for me for a while. I just, it didn't take shape in the way that it now has until very recently. 
But the other aspect and this aspect right here, these are kind of newer in the space for me in terms of connecting this specifically to self-directed education. And the thing that I'm talking about in this instance is um, self-confidence. So not just confidence as you move about the world, not just the confidence to do things, because that's something I think we can develop. Like you can do that even momentarily. You could see somebody else do something and develop that like 20 seconds of confidence to do something. And then once you start down the path, it's not as difficult as you thought. So you keep on doing it, you know, that sort of thing. I'm talking about the confidence to be one's self. That shit is elusive than a motherfucker. It's like magic out in these streets for people to, you know, that's when I think about people like Issa Rae, for example, who I think is just such a beautiful blend of what I want to see more of black women publicly sharing their gifts and not just focusing on the struggles, but showing more of that whole aspect of how we live. So when she's giving interviews, I don't know her from anywhere in real life, but it feels authentic when I see her um, act on her show because I've been following her since awkward black girl days. <laughs> you know, I see a lot of similarities in those spaces and then I see so much growth as well. So it, that's just one example. I also think about um, people like Oprah, right? Auntie Oprah Foundation, those older interviews where she talked about why she wouldn't change her name whether her show was successful or not, this talk show venture that she was embarking upon years ago, uh, the Oprah show, that even if it wasn't successful, she trusted herself and she knew herself and she had a level of confidence in herself to know that whatever she was being drawn to was going to continue to take her to places that allowed her to like expand who she was and to reach people and to do the things she wanted to do. That's not just about being confident generally. That's about having a knowledge and a confidence in yourself. That's the other thing that I feel so sure from my own observations, from my own personal experiences, from talking with numerous people, that self-directed education not only can nurture, but actually provides the ideal environment for it. So that's the other thing I think it, it nurtures because for me, I'm 40 years old now. And I remember the, <laughs> whew, the years of struggle, that sort of dichotomy, my student identity and Akilah, the person, the woman becoming that the girl at the time. Y'all, there's this video floating around. Chris sent it to me. <laughs> it's this boy who is talking to his teacher, this boy with long blonde hair. He got up. He was pissed off. He was saying to the teacher that, she wasn't doing her job. She was just giving people work to do and that you got to touch people's lives. You can't just like repeat shit to them. And when you come in saying that it's just a paycheck, then da, 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 we're not motivated, all this stuff. And he was going off and she was like, bye, get out of the classroom. And when I watched it, I felt truly triggered. All jokes aside, it took me some time. I watched it a couple of times and I went back to my own experiences. And I, I think I've probably talked about these on here before where teachers were constantly kicking me out of their classrooms, or I was getting ICE, internal suspension, or regular ass out of school suspension. 
you know, my mother, <laughs> she, she didn't even come to the school anymore when they called about, you know, me needing to go home. She's like, all right, you know, take the bus or something, go home because I'm at work. You got suspended again, or they told you to go home today again. And those were never because I didn't do my work or because I was like the other things that happened at my high school. <laughs> it was because I insisted on understanding why teachers were being how they were being. It was really obvious to me and probably to many other people in that classroom that we were given busy work and bullshit, right? But we did it. Mostly we did it. But for me, as I got to 10th, 11th, 12th grade, I was like, you know, something in me just wouldn't let me just do the shit. I had to say something. And even my mom would ask me that. Why you always have to say something? If you're not going to do it, just don't do it. Why you have to say something? Because they tripping, you know, going off on my teenage tangent, that was valid. Because my thing was with a lot of the teachers, I'm like, okay, if you give out the assignment and some people do it, that's fine. I'm not saying everybody shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I'm not going to do it because I get that it's busy work. Give me the zero for the day. Give me the F no problem. Why are you getting loud? Because I would go up to the desk and say these things and then they would try to loud me up or tell me they're going to call security. Call security. I don't give a damn. You know, these things were <laughs> my norm. And a part of that was because I felt very much compelled to be who and how I was. But it seemed like the environments that I was part of, primarily classrooms, didn't allow for that. I needed to present. I needed to show up a certain way. This was not just about politeness. I mean, I was raised by my Jamaican grandmother. I know about basic politeness and common courtesy and all of that. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about straight up fucking fronting, like just putting on this mask and doing these, you know, for me, it was like the equivalent of having on a fucking ballroom gown and like traipsing around and doing all of the correct things that you do when you wear that gown and sitting how you sit and eating how you would eat and having on lace gloves. Like that's what it reminds me of because that sounds like some sort of itchy, stuffy, hot, not hot in the good sense, but hat like, oh my God, I need a fan. Torture. <laughs> that's just not attached to who and how I am. And so many people, so many young people are having that experience. And so we become very practiced at not being ourselves. We become very practiced at presenting this version of ourselves that becomes accepted or refined, quote unquote, or rejected. It reminds me of those instances in history where folks would talk about they're going to civilize people. You know, they're going to places to civilize them. Or you take social etiquette classes to basically so you can fit into the system better. The same reason that a lot of us go to college. It isn't because we want to go. It's to fit into the system better. It's so that you can assimilate more seamlessly because you're not doing it with a knowledge of self. You're not going to college. The majority of us ask around. The majority of us are not going to college because we feel so compelled to, to continue to study this particular thing or to be in this particular environment, we do it because we're told that's how you can assimilate better. Particularly as people of color, that's where you go to show the people in power that you have the things that they say you need in order to get a seat at their table. That's what it's about. Whatever the table is, that's what it's about. As opposed to, because I'm not anti-school, I'm anti-forced, mindless schooling. 
as opposed to if you go in with a self-confidence, which includes a knowledge of self, how you learn, what you're deeply interested in, or the things that you're interested enough in to pursue them at a deeper level. If you go in with those things in mind, when you go in with that level of information and clarity, then you don't go in thinking, how can I make myself better for this system? Or how can I make myself more presentable in this way? You are going in more from the perspective of how do I build upon what I'm already feeling through in a way that will benefit me and hopefully my community going forward. That's the difference in the mindset for someone who is not from a self-directed background going into college or furthering studies in whatever way versus somebody who's going in the way that most of us went in. Like, I sure hope this shit works. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You go into college in part because you're not sure what you're supposed to do now that you're grown or nearly grown and people are expecting grown shit from you. College for so many people is just basically where we hide out until we feel like we have something figured out. I know people with master's degrees and doctorates. I personally know folks like that who are now out of the school system and are in a similar position as motherfuckers who didn't even graduate from college. Ask around. If you didn't have that experience, wonderful, but ask around. People did. So that is the other thing, if I may slowly descend from this soapbox, <laughs> that's the other thing that I really feel is possible with a vision for self-directed education becoming more normalized, more accessible for everyone, that we have a level of confidence and knowledge of self that allows us to pursue whatever we want without the idea of it being done for the purposes of assimilation or quieting somebody else you know, or making yourself more acceptable to people or spaces or institutions that will not accept you. You might become maybe more beneficial to that space. You know, if you have the certification and they can work you in this way, you may be more beneficial to a space and maybe that's all you want. I don't meet many people like that. So I'm talking specifically about and to the super smart, savvy kids who are in school, whether you're talking about middle school, high school, college, elementary school, who are sitting in those spaces, slowly losing their confidence and sense of self, because everything around them says, unless I approve you, you are not enough. And then that message becomes internalized. And then it becomes the ethos that we live by saying that the more we are accepted, the more acceptable we are to ourselves. And I hope that shit dies with the industry of this particular type of educational model that happens now. So if any of this resonates with you, message me at Fair of the Free Child on Instagram, at Radical Selfie on Twitter, or on either of those spaces using, using, <laughs> using the hashtag POC in SDE. Thanks for listening to Fair of the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at AkilaSRichards.com. This is Kelly Love Jones singing Braveheart. I love to sing, mm -hmm, yeah. I love to dance, watch me tap my toes. I love to smile, smile, smile. Love to laugh, cause ain't nobody gonna stop me now.
Let my soul fly free, fly free. Can't nobody stop me now. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get out, 'cause I am so brave. I am so brave, brave, brave. I am so brave. I am so brave, 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 brave. I love my music. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get out, cause I am so brave.